Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ah, welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, June 30th, 2020. That's Kirby-shirted Ian Ferguson. Hello. Who's yawning on Pat Contry. On the show today, we'll be talking about Unsolved Mysteries returning. Also talking about Sony exec calling for shorter games. We'll have an, an update on the television Amico, since we love that. Uh, Heritage Auction stuff. A Q&A, a, uh, a Patreon poll. Ian, notice anything different about me? <clears throat> no. Yes. Nice haircut. Got a haircut. So, um, I went five months without a haircut, just about. Just about five months. About 20 weeks. And uh, I didn't get a, a picture of my hair on the ground this time. I probably should have because it probably would look, would look like an Ewok at this point. But um, I got a haircut. Because since you can go back to get your nails done in San Diego, you can get your hair done um, with you know, obviously with some precautions in place with everything going on with the COVID going on, which now we're spiking in California, everywhere that's spiking, but we were good for until like, you know, May. But anyway, so I go, I make an appointment, I go in, and then there was only like three people getting a haircut in there. And then my my hair hairstylist, hair cutter, the same woman I've gone to since I've lived here for almost 11 years. Um, she was wearing a mask, which is good, except it didn't even go over her nostrils of her nose. So she was she was uh, fudging the rules there, which I did not like. Puts me at risk, obviously. But I get a haircut. And I get a haircut. And um, it's, it's too short. It's too short for me um, in the front. And that's because like I always have to like talk her through my haircut as she goes because she talks a lot. And she she loses focus. I can tell. She like she just like does this side, this side. I'm like, well, I said this. You know, this is too short. This this side's too long. So I I got her through that. But that's not why I'm I'm a little upset about the haircut again. Because um, if you noticed my eyebrows at all, they're as thin as my eyebrows have been since, probably since my metrosexual days in my early twenties. Mm. Because Ian, while my hair was getting cut, out of nowhere, like an RKO, she goes snip from three feet away and hacks off my right eyebrow without me asking without without a warning hey do you want me to no snip without using a comb to measure it like you're supposed to with eyebrows you're supposed to, you're supposed to comb down and, and cut and never cut from the top she just went snip and so i was like freaked out i was like i'm very particular about my eyebrows and i am as, as an italian you have, to, you have to you have to weed whack those when you're younger you got to get them you know taken care of i just got these big old fuzzy caterpillars yeah so you know we're, we're hairy men you got to take care of you got to keep it nice um so now i'm freaked out 
So then she kind of sniffs the other one because now the, the right one's ruined. So I come home and I look and it's, it literally looked like part of it was shaved. That's how close she cut it. She was like three feet away. It went like that. She just not even. And I, I'm done with her because of that. Like, I'm done. I'm done. Sorry. I won't say your name. But that was unacceptable. Unacceptable. Do not touch someone's. And that was the first time she did it. She's done it a few other times. So I always go beforehand. Don't touch my eyebrows, you know. I should have done it this time. I should have said, don't. Like, th- is that common? Is anyone out there that's a, that's a man that all of a sudden th- their styles of bar will just go after their eyebrows, eyebrows without you asking? Like, that, you yeah, have to ask mo- about mo- that, right? No. Most times I go to the, the I, I go, uh, they, they'll they usually throw the comb up there and give me a trip. But at least ask you, right? Hey, you know, I'll take care of them. They're like, yeah, let, let me get your eyebrows. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, this was insane to me. So then I had to go home and see, oh, my God, now the, the left is, the right is so short. Now I got to shorten the, mm. the, the other one to match. So you're penciling it in? I, li- I probably should have to pencil this right one in for, like, another week. And you wouldn't notice unless you get, like, really closer, but it's thin. It is thin. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like, nice, but not for me. There. That, that upsets me more than there. The hair will go back in, like, in like uh, nine days. You won't even tell I had a haircut. Like, you won't even tell. There, but... Now, now I'm going to get people complaining about my hair being too short. That happened, actually happened on, on Twitch. People are like, oh, your hair. It's like, I, yeah, I got to cut you. Either complain it's too long or too short. Everyone's a professional fucking hair judge now online. Twitch.tv slash country code. We watch uh, 80s commercials every Friday or Saturday night. I'm also Ian on, uh, on Cameo. Cameo.com slash Pat Country. I just did one for the Discord. People wanted me to do random sayings like, oh, Ian says hi and things like that. I got a kick out of it. Nice. So, so that's good. And we also got the enamel pins. Uh, I don't want to recheck my hard drive. Um, enamel pins. We got T-shirts that are limited, and other goodies. Certain NES and Super Nintendo guidebooks at UltimateNintendo.com uh, as well. There, Ian. What did you do this weekend? I uh, I rambled a lot. Sorry. That's all right. I worked. I'm sorry. I was upset about my eyebrows. No, it's all good. I uh, <laughs> I worked all weekend, and uh, it was busy. I don't want to talk about work. Uh, but frustrating. Yes, very, very frustrating. Shit started hitting the fan this weekend. Um, not literally. No, just all the all the. Without getting into it, I've been saying how work has been going pretty well, and I haven't had to deal with a lot of like problem customers and stuff like that. Right. I haven't had to deal with a lot of stuff with masks. I haven't dealt with any bad trade-ins in a while. Okay. <clears throat> it, it fell off a cliff. Yeah, it fell off a cliff. <laughs> Anyways, though. But not enough to, to bring back Tales from the Game Store. Though. No, no. I got through it. I went home last night. Had a had a whiskey and a dube, and uh, <laughs> I was, was lost. We had a nice liquor conversation, Ian. Yeah, we, we bonded did. a little bit we about did. liquor last night. Um, big news, though. Good times in the Ferguson household. Mr. Driller Drill Land got released on the Switch. Oh, okay. It's a fantastic game, Mr. Driller Drill Land, was a Japanese-only GameCube exclusive that was released in, I think, 2002. It's, um... Mr. Driller Puzzle Game. It was a console exclusive. Um, it wasn't an arcade game because it adds, like, a story mode to it. And basically the idea of Mr. Driller Drill Land is that there's a theme park that exists underground, and there's five different rides you can go on, and each ride is a twist on the standard Mr. Driller gameplay so it's pretty cool there's like a tower of draga themed one that is like mr driller but it's turn-based and there's spells um there's uh the haunted house one where you have to capture ghosts um so it's adventures in the magic kingdom but mr driller well there's an Indi- <laughs> there's there's a space mountain analogy okay. there's an indiana jones analogy okay there's a small world analogy oh, and there was uh 
Uh, there's one more that is like, but but yes, it's it's actually basically just the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> uh, it scored 30 out of 40. That's a weird scale on uh, Famitsu, and then in Australia on a Cube Magazine, which was the thing I got an 8.8 out of 10. Yeah, it, it's a That's it's a just an amazing game. game. Um, if you like Driller, uh, I, I I would say you definitely <laughs> if you like the Mr. Driller's uh, cinematic universe. Yeah, you have to do that. Universe. And then uh, I made beer cheese this weekend. Beer cheese dip. I got uh, I got bored of not being able to have pretzels and beer cheese. Got tired of it, so I, I made. And beer somebody got cheese. bored of not being able to have beer cheese. Beer cheese. Well, so I've never had beer cheese in my life. Um, Kinsey from the from the Metal Jesus Rocks crew came down with uh, Tony uh, a f- bunch of months ago, and we went to a um, brewery. And I, whenever we go to a brewery tasting room doesn't matter if it's here. Or, uh, I always have to get the pretzels with the cheese and the mustard. Oh, sure. You've probably noticed this. If we if we stop at, like, Stone Brewing to get food before going on a trip, on a flight, sure. it's always the pretzels with beer cheese and mustard. I cannot say no to a soft pretzel with beer cheese and mustard. So I've been missing it. I do like a pretzel. I just never... I, I probably had it. You probably gave me a piece before. So it's it's a thicker cheese. Yeah, it's just like a, it's a cheese sauce, but it's made with beer and spices. You like beer? I like beer. Um, God, fuck. Damn it! <laughs> um, well, that's good, Ian. That, yeah. that was good for you. Yeah, I was I, I was I, able to do some cooking. My shoulder wasn't as bad this weekend as it was earlier in the week. That's good, Ian. You doing therapy yet? Uh, I'm doing therapy at home. I'm still waiting for them to call me back about my MRI. I called them on Friday. They should be calling me by tomorrow. That's good. I went to the flea market on Sunday. I took the, I took the health risk going to the flea market, and honestly, I was actually impressed because. By percentage, more people were wearing their masks and wearing their masks properly at the swap meet than at the zoo, believe it or not. I'd probably say about 15% of the people at the swap meet were not wearing them properly. At the zoo, it was like 25% were not wearing them properly. You know who wasn't wearing them properly at the flea market? The vendors weren't. A lot of the older vendors weren't doing it. So much so that the fucking lady got on the loudspeaker and she was pissed. She was like, she wasn't even trying to come. She was like, please wear your mask like it was like she was upset and then I, I talked to a vendor later it's like yeah because some of the vendors in that whole back row over there the old ones are not doing it and they can get shut down for not doing that and we're probably going to get shut down again anyway because just announced today that they're closing uh, bars in a lot of uh, California counties because we're getting bad again so I wanted to go to the swap meet before it's closed again so I've only gone once the whole year before this so I bought um, I found through my uh, buddy Derek who always sells at Comic Con every year um, he always has lots of goodies and he has a huge game collection or used to he had uh, like his his Lord of the Rings collection of books and and tabletop games and D and D stuff that was laying around, um, sort of stuff. And then he had basically all of the computer games that were, um, excuse me, Lord of the Rings, all the Lord of the Rings computer games from like the early '80s to like the mid '90s. I bought them all. Wow. Especially the first two ones, I think, are really hard to find. Uh, one was like from like '83, and then the uh, one that plays kind of like Ultima. Yes, I believe so. And then the sequel, and I couldn't even find one for sale of one of them on, on eBay. That's how hard they had to find. The first one that came out in 83 actually came with the paperback of The Hobbit, which I had to buy their placement. It didn't have that. It's only like a 5 or $10 book, that version. But he gave me a good deal on, on all of them. That's why I like Derek. He's the same guy I got the AES from mm. way back when for 90 bucks, Ooh. the mm-hmm. US one uh, there. And then um, what else did I get? I, I didn't buy a huge amount. There wasn't a huge amount there. Uh, but yeah, in general, people were... You know, it's hard to social distance when you're at the at the flea market, but at least you're out in the open. You're not in a confined space uh, when you're breathing and everything. But you know, I got in and I got out in a couple hours, and it was mostly it was like the, the the flea market hasn't been full of vendors the way it used to be for like four years at this point. 
at least um but it was a decent size for a Sunday. It's never going to be how it was back when I first moved here when it was like took you 3 hours to walk through once. That's not going to happen again uh there. But yeah, I, I got the I got those uh, uh Lord of the Rings games and I got I actually got the Chronicle. I I don't know what PC games I own. And and I have a lot. And at some point once I chronicle bunch of the video game stuff I, I i have no problem probably with i have to li- literally go through and start like my pc game collection like uh, excel spreadsheet or google you know spreadsheet because i have no idea what i have i almost bought something that i thought i didn't have i, I thought i didn't have ultima 2 because i have ultima 1 <clears throat> 3 and 4 i knew for a fact i might have five i said oh i should get two it's it's hard to find any of those ones anymore those are collectible i already had it and i almost bought it again i was like oh shit i gotta start writing this shit down because i don't know you do i mean I, I i finally did that with my pc engine games made a database that i can check because it was getting to the point where i didn't know if i had certain titles or not especially certain mahjong titles and i have to do it with my game boy games because i i at this point i just i simply don't know well, it's also because they're they're not displayed anywhere. I gotta start displaying them. They're all in boxes most of them. I have some in the living room. I put some in the den, and I have some some good stuff. I got some stuff that's worth probably at this point a lot that wasn't worth anything five years ago. Obviously, the market's exploded for some of them. I got a I got a chronicle. I have no idea. I have no idea. So anyway, that's fine. Uh, Doctor Disrespect, um, the the famous '80s cosplaying Twitch streamer who likes to film people in public bathrooms um he was he was banned he was perma banned from twitch yep uh was that like on friday or saturday whenever it was over the weekend and there's been no decision made yet why it happened but no um, announcement uh yeah no no announcement from twitch they're just like oh he broke our terms of service whatever um twitch has been uh, getting rid of lots of streamers lately um with uh sexual improprieties and allegations happening and they're just they've they're starting to toss people off YouTube's also been starting to toss off people, you know, a white supremacist and, and people of that nature finally. So it seems like everything's been coming to a head the past week. Past couple of weeks, absolutely. Almost in concert, these different companies are like, yeah, we're finally going to clean up. I think maybe, I think it's not just, I think, the social things happening. I think maybe that's part of it, but maybe they figure we can't ignore this any longer and with the elections coming and I, I do, I, I do think it's, 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 it's a lot of the social stuff that's coming up. I think they're witnessing a sea change and realizing more and more that the um, people that they're getting rid of are very, very loud and a very small minority. Yeah. Um, you don't need to cater to those people. Sure. What's weird, though, is about the Dr. Disrespect thing, though, is that we don't know. Yeah, we have no idea. We have no idea. And they just signed him to an exclusive contract back in March for you know multi, multi-million dollar contract. So in order to, within like three and a half months, to go from a contract to getting rid of him, is, it must be pretty seriously. It can't, it can't be a little slight thing. So it just hasn't come out yet. It'd be a weird move to sign someone. Or maybe you realize I mean, we made a mistake three months later, but it has to be a real reason in order to break a contract like that, obviously. Yeah. It could be lawsuits. I have, I have no idea. I mean, and there's a billion rumors out there, and I'm not going to lend no. any credibility more to one or the other. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, we have to kind of mention this, but there's literally nothing else to say other than that. It's, it's just speculation. No, I'm just going to say this, though, about before you sign people to these contracts, maybe you should vet these people. Maybe you should like look into their backgrounds the same way they do with like when you're like a college basketball or football player. They like look into your background and make sure, hey, is this person involved with anything criminal? Are they a well, psychopath? Like before they sign they may- a contract, like this isn't happening for any influencers. It's like, oh, you got views, let's yeah. sign you. Not caring about. And they they signed anything. him. They signed him before they knew about the mixer thing going down. So maybe they were, you know, want, they wanted to keep someone. They they wanted to like shore try to keep their, someone yeah. shored up. But you already had problems with this guy. Yes. You already Twice. suspended him. 
I mean, honestly, um, I cannot believe that it wasn't a permanent suspension from fucking streaming in a fucking public restroom. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, I don't know. They let you, they uh, let you come back from that? Who's gone for, what, like a month or two, less than a month? It was two weeks, I think two it was. Weeks? I read. It was two, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks. Me. Yeah, it's, um, it's disappointing. Like, uh, uh, but I think maybe, like I said, we've reached a point where now people are starting to care about this stuff with uh, people like Shane Dawson being... Fuck that guy. ...outed for doing horrible things. And that's a name I've heard because I guess he does interviews with YouTubers, but he, he, he liked to do some, uh, a lot of blackface in, in the past. Not in the past, like in the past 10 years. And I don't know how that stuff... That doesn't went... even get into the fucking puppet show he did with an eight-year-old, with a puppet that was supposed to be eight years old and it was all like sex jokes and fucking bullshit like that. It was disgusting. So, so we have people that, that um, make bad decisions... And yes, uh, I have done edgy jokes in my past, but I've never thought about doing blackface ever. Like, that would be acceptable. Or doing jokes uh, about you know, pedophilia in any nature. So, like, people have to be held accountable at some point. People are allowed to change, yes. But the point is, is that you should not be, like, aligning yourself. You're a big company with these people that have these these really checkered pasts. Or you have to be aware of it before you get into bed with these people. You just do. I, mean, I think that's common sense to do good business. Otherwise, yeah. you get into weird situations because now people are like, "Oh, Twitch, what the hell, man? You banned my my cosplaying fucking streamer." And now that whatever, don't don't don't, don't get put in those situations. That's all. Uh, real real quick update: we haven't talked about WWE at all. First off, Undertaker good. officially retired. Great. That's good. I mean, he's a legend, Undertaker, right? <laughs> you don't care about Undertaker. I I I am now. Probably more anti-wrestling talk than the most anti-wrestling talk listeners that we've had. I just, I am so... I don't watch anymore. I don't watch I will AEW. get back into it at some point, I'm sure, yes. because wrestling always comes back around. But it is it is less interesting than fucking dirt to me right now. I have no interest. Well, it's the fact that WWE has done an aw- awful job trying to protect their workers and performers in COVID. Obviously, yeah. allegedly, they, they paid off the governor... Through uh through Linda McMahon in order to be deemed an essential business somehow in the state of Florida because that's where they film. Which governor says that DeSantis? Yeah, that piece of garbage that reopened way too early. Now Florida is a hotbed of of, of cases. Um, so our governor is a fucking spineless piece of shit. What's that? I said our governor is fucking spineless. Oh, he's, sp- he's he's done a better job with this than other governors. He opened up way too early, and then basically said, "Well, that's that. I think we're, can't well, go we're, back now. We're reversing." Uh, yeah, as well. We'll anyway, see. Um, so, an unnamed wrestler came out and basically did an open letter, uh, basically uh, excoriating uh, WWE about their handling of COVID nineteen. And, did and the letter come from parts unknown? Very good, Ian. The bo- the boiler room. <laughs> Undertaker is no Undertaker's from Death Valley. That's right. Yeah, the hottest place on on the planet. By the way, I think it technically is. Um, so, a WWE development talent talent speaking to Wrestling Inc. under the condition of anonymity anonymity has spoken out against WWE's handling of COVID nineteen procedures. Um, this, and this comes in the wake of uh, uh, we love Renee Young. She, hopefully, she, she's getting better. I think she is. Adam Pierce, Jamie Normal are among those who have come forward to confirm they have tested uh, they tested positive. Um, and then Kayla Braxton said she tested positive twice in in the week. Um, Kayla Braxton subsequently quit Twitter in the face of responses from some fans. Because there's some assholes that oh, just wrestle. Who cares? Because they're because wrestling fans. I hate to say it. Not all wrestling fans. A lot of wrestling fans have the IQ of of uh, less than a snail. So they they just want to see their people pretend to beat each other up. They don't care about the actual workers at all. Um, 
So now that WWE has more talent and staffers starting to test positive, we've been informed by talent relations not to discuss our illness with anyone besides those we may live with that may need to know. We are forbidden to tell anyone else, nor can we come out publicly to make any statements. So the word is that Renee Young came out, and they're pissed at Renee Young now for coming out and saying she had it. Just test a positive, and and the word is is that they hadn't been starting to test for everyone until like I mean recently, they were just doing the temperature check. Oh, I saw that in an article. The temperature check is bullshit because you could be asymptomatic and not have a fever. Yeah. So the fact or that they're not pre-symptomatic. Uh, so the fact that they 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 aren't weren't testing. Well, I would say that wrestling wrestlers being in each other's faces and, and exchanging bodily fluids is probably the most dangerous job you can have if you want to try to stay healthy. Um, so I cannot believe they weren't testing everyone if the, if the reports are true before events. Like it's just total ir- irresponsibility. And now the word is there's at least twenty people, both both crew and wrestlers that ha- are that have this. And I hear it's like thirty. Like it could be more. Like it's a lot. Like it, it's thank God people like Roman Reigns decide this is not yeah. worth the risk. Thank God. Imagine if that Roman Reigns got this and he's, he's just dead. He's dead. He dropped dead. Yeah, people there's dying. Yeah, him and Sami Zayn were smart. Like. Um, the lol ethiopia is it now the hottest place on earth hottest place on earth not that i thought that felt like, like 125 degrees or something. no i think uh well who knows now with everything going on it's with true planet. but my god the lol ethiopia what, is gorgeous what, what is it what does it get to uh, I, I didn't see i didn't see but it, it looks like it is covered in fucking pools of corrosive stuff and oh uh, my god that looks like a toxic waste pool yeah it's pretty cool looking though oh sure you go swimming for there i mean it's just algae it makes algae there um it was stressed that I'll go back to this. Uh, it was stressed that WWE will take care of any medical treatments should we need them. In the same breath, it was made clear that the, that the company would handle the PR, and only those that needed to know about our condition would know, as HIPAA laws would prevent them from making our names public. I don't think you should go go after workers who say to people, "Hey, I have this, but I'm okay." Like you shouldn't go after. Them. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. But they're not allowed to wear masks on screen they, they don't want they want people not to be reminded Vince just want people to be reminded that this is, exists while he's putting on his puppet show with, with real people that's basically what it is because you have an insane person in charge that shouldn't be in charge of a billion dollars yeah, it's, like, it's like the fucking president of this co- country being like I don't want to wear a mask uh, visibly because it makes me look less I'm tough. not masculine now because I don't want to potentially infect people and it's like oh my god how do we get to this point how do, I don't know I don't know I don't know. I know someone, um, asked, someone asked us not to talk about masks. I uh, forgot. Oh, yeah. Someone said, I don't want to hear about masks. Sorry, you're going to hear about it because people are dying. So, sorry. And then people, people, if they're in the chat watching it on Twitch, I should be on, on YouTube. Ah, say anything weird, ah, you'll be gone. That's all. Let's give you the boot. Um, so, yeah. And you're also, obviously, when you're doing this, you're putting, it's not just about your workers, it's about who you're in contact with. Because John, John Moxley is married to Renee Young. So, John Moxley had, had to isolate and not be an AEW TV. So it affects the whole industry, uh, potentially. Anyway, so, yeah, it's just, if you're going to do this and, and, and get that, if you're going to pay out whatever it was, allegedly, whatever, $18 million to the state to be deemed an essential service, you think you would put in a few dollars in order to test people regularly. Like, you think that'd be smart, so you wouldn't get, you would cut it off when one or two people get infected, not 20 or 30. Uh, but what do I know, right? What do I know? I don't know. I You know... You're just crazy, man. I'm crazy. I'm, I'm just crazy like that there. Um, this is an interesting little story that, just because you figure they're still making Wii Wii U games. Uh, Shakedown yeah. Hawaii? Yeah, so we've talked about Shakedown Hawaii before. Have we? Here. We have, because I mentioned it and you looked it up and you were like, wow, that game looks gorgeous. 
Oh, did, oh, okay. We've definitely mentioned Shakedown Hawaii before. It's like an overhead GTA 1 or 2 style game, it looks yep, like, right? exactly. And um, it's getting a Wii and a Wii U port. <laughs> um, and I feel like I should buy the Wii version just to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, this is a 2D game. It's going to run fine on you know either of those systems. There's not gonna It'll be run any... fine on looks like a Super Nintendo. Yeah. It'll there's run. there's not going to be any you know performance downgrades or anything like that. Um, the game that is like a top-down GTA uh, game, but there is also supposedly um, a bit of management sim added as okay. well, um, which 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 is pretty cool. We remote which shake is supported. <laughs> yeah, the Wii remote uh, is is supported. Uh, four can... three aspect ratio is supported for CRT. <laughs> yep, four three. So you can play this. I mean, that's actually pretty you can great. It's two thousand eight again. Sure, uh, but this game. I mean, it, this is kind of cool because it gives you a, a slightly easier way to you know play a modern game on a CRT TV. That's One true. that will benefit probably from being on a CRT TV. Those always look. Those always look very nice. Um, on CRT TVs, and actually, am I crazy? I feel like the guy, uh, the person who did art for this, might be the same person who did. I'm gonna have to look into that. Um, anyways, it is going to be coming out Thursday, July 9th, um, for twenty nine ninety nine USD, three thousand copies. It's limited to it, Ian. Uh, <laughs> that's the Wii version, and then uh, the Wii U and Steam versions will follow in August. Obviously, you're gonna have all the collectors after this, regardless. Uh, for the physical version because you, you you will have those crazy Wii collectors well it's a, they keep making games for the Wii 14 years later you know like Just Dance 2020 did that come out was that on the Wii so it's oh, it's never over <laughs> right <laughs> like it's you're, we're getting into um or, or are we past PS2 territory they made PS2 games for like 14 years right they're making soccer games still into the 2010s I believe they made and, yeah I think FIFA soccer like 20. 12 or something was like the last game that they made for the PS2. Oh, um, yeah, Just Dance 2020 came out in November and that was on the Wii. Still. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, no Wii U. They fuck them. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, because you can play it on the Wii U. Oh, that's and that right. Way, that, that way they don't have to that do two SKUs and they can, they can sell it to the, the biggest install base. The Wii U is now like the lost system. That doesn't yep. matter. Um, Shit, I was, I was, I swear, I was going to say something. Oh, they, I mean, the Dreamcast had a, a fairly big afterlife too. Um, you know, there was some shooters and whatnot that were released for that and sold, but um, that weren't just homebrew. They were they had like officially. Well, banned. I think at that point, yeah, they might have still been qualified as homebrew. I mean, now they've been released as indie games, but that's what I mean. Then, like these are yeah, not homebrew. These are right. No, these, these are, are official releases here. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, maybe I'll, I'll check it out here. Um, I think it'd be weird to buy a Wii game. In, in 2020, I don't know why this. That yeah, that'd be strange. Me. And then yeah, and then I hook up my Wii U to play it. I, I'm guessing there's that probably zero difference between them besides the controller. Uh, I would imagine zero difference. Yes, you know. Well, the, and... the Wii U is going to output over standard AV, where oh, the, the Wii U will be HD. That's true. That's right. So that's the difference. Get that nice 480p though if you get the component cables on the Wii like I had. It's like almost HD. It's like half. There you go. Um, the NWC uh, NES console. We spoke about this back in the fall, I believe, mm-hmm. when it came out. And if people don't remember this, this was one of the consoles they would use. They would daisy chain them with a little telephone sort of cable on the back of the consoles in order to reset them all at the same time. I guess right. with, with one... One press with, of the reset button, button all, all of them would reset, and that would allow you to start all of the 
Nintendo World Championship carts. Yes, for in a, unison, which is brilliant. If you're, if you're putting yeah, on insanely the, clever little, the, I guess the finals of the competition. If, if you're qualifying, it doesn't matter. You don't have to compete, but it's just cool to have the competition. You're all racing each other, like, mm-hmm. me, like me and Ian did. I'm thinking the second annual NES marathon. We did that with the two NWC cars with two NESs. Second or third one. We second. Did that. I think uh, we did it maybe for back both. when we were still on good old Ustream back in the day. Oh yeah, there. Uh, we weren't we weren't signed anywhere. We weren't signed to uh, to Facebook Gaming or Mixer then. So anyway, so the NWC uh, console, the only one we know that exists. It's, it plays real games, obviously. It has a different board in order to... And it has the little telephone, little port in the back with it's, like, riveted in. That's really the, what this is. And um, it came up on, on eBay for $125,000 or, or, or best offer. And then it was just taken down within the past, I think, 24 hours or so. Uh, we're recording this on June 30th. Um, I have no idea if, if this means it's sold or not. I guess we'll find out. And unfortunately, with Nintendo Age being dead, we don't find this news out anymore as easily. Right. It's, we don't have that, like, not all the crazy collectors all congregate in one place to share information. Unless, unless something's replaced it, I'm not aware of. So, uh, but I guess we'll find out at some point. I have no idea what, what to price these consoles at anymore. Um, obviously, we saw the, the, um, the, the PlayStation prototype go for a disappointingly low number versus what they thought it was going to get. Um, and what everyone, all the, the game journalists thought it was potentially going to get. And it's like, eh. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. For, for the, to me, this is a ephemera. Uh, so it's it, to me it's different than a game or anything else. To me, I think it's uh, I think it's very cool, but I also um, I don't know I, I I I don't I have no idea what the desire to own this is like out in the the, the collector market. Um, I think one hundred and twenty five thousand is a long shot, but oh, um, definitely didn't go for that. No, no, but that doesn't. Um, I don't think they're bad people for saying I, when when you're putting something up like that. I think you kind of. You know, you've got to put a limit somewhere, and you might as well go high and see what kind of... I didn't say limited, jackass. Um, <laughs> quit reaching for your buttons. You want to use your fancy toy. I got new ones. <laughs> um, so you got, you, got, you got to put something up there if you're just fielding offers, and you might as well go higher than lower. But I absolutely I have no, I, I, no belief that it would go for 125. Well, My guess, and I, I, I don't even have any... There's nothing that leads me to actually guess this, but my guess would be it would top off at like twenty five thousand max. Not your max. Um, that's not a bad guesstimate. I, I see. To me, this is less interesting. It's interesting, but it's less interesting than even the NWC controllers because they're marked differently. Right. Like those. Those have one and two on them. I almost bought one at one point from Chris Tang. I probably should have at the time because now with the weird market, it would go for five times the value. Yeah, I remember when you passed up on it. Yeah, I was like looking back. I'm like, ah, I probably should have done that, but that was like four years ago. Something but, uh, like this isn't like a controller or a cartridge either. That's easy uh, to display as like a, a centerpiece no. of your your collection. Because it's an you gotta you gotta like tour around. Say, hey, look, there's a telephone little port on the. It's like, people be like, okay, right, there's nothing else that really marks it. My, my rule is, how easily can you explain this to a casual person? When it comes to collectibles, yeah. that's my rule, and, that, that, and that, that's um, going to determine how that kind of there is per, yeah. uh, determines how cool something is on your shelf, which can add a great deal of value. The value. Yes, I realized where I was going, and I <laughs> knew you would put it. that on there, and I just <laughs> I bought into it. But yes, but that's the point. It's like how widespread could this be? Because there'll be tons of uh, video game collectors that might have heard about. Oh yeah, the Nintendo World Championships. Even if they don't collect NES, but I'm like okay. We'll show you the NWC cart, which is clearly says NWC. It's a game. Now we'll show you an NES that you'll be like, okay, it's an NES, but it's it's just an NES. It's a modified NES, but it's like there's a different 
sort of thing in your mind. It's the same reason. It's the same reason why, uh, you know, like with anything else, there's there's a lot of comics that are rare. We always said this. There's a lot of comics that are rarer than even Action Comics number one. But it's like, well, who cares? Like, right. so there has care? to be not, a desire not, to own yes. it at some point. At there. some point, you have to be like, well, it's cool, and I think, and I think it's cool. You think it's cool. I gotta think it's cool. Yeah, you got to transfer the cool factor over to somewhere else. That's why I always think like something like Stay Events is always gonna be tougher to transfer over the cool factor over years. Like, yeah, it's Stay Events, Rents, right? It's a game that I, exists in another form, but it's. I think this NES is very cool. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I would love to like have a bunch of these NES TVs. Yes, you want a up, bunch of them, and I want to feel like a god. I want to hit that reset button and go <laughs> and watch them all reset in unison. To play what? I, I don't care. Just I fucking fire oh, some buy, shit up. You can buy you can buy all the retro USB ones and put them in there or flash card them. Just put anything in there, really. I just want to be able to watch them do a all. Du- do a DuckTales speedrun contest. I just want them all to go silent. Well, this is, well, this one was, press of a button. Well, this was interesting to me. How cool would it be if someone uh, you know, made, the, made this custom board? And th- nowadays, with everything, you can probably do that. Then you can sell custom boards. And you have to get a little mod for a little... A little telephone cord on the back. That'd be that'd be cool. I'm not, I mean, it's not practical. No one would ever use it unless you do like a convention, you know. But it's a lot easier to say, okay, everyone, press press your button on your controller on the second controller. Press it now, and right. then you start. It's impractical, Ian. Unless you're doing the wizard right. or an actual NWC contest. There. Oh, I actually won a game on eBay for the first time in like seven years. That's interesting. Sorry. Well, I actually won a computer game. There was two computer games that. I loved as a kid. I was like, you know, what? I should get those. I had them as a, as bootlegs. My dad had, and I'll reveal them once they arrive on the scene here. Anyway, all right. Most most important though, Ian, what's coming back? Unsolved mysteries is coming back. Coming back. I think it's July first, which is tomorrow. I'll put it up on here. We can have this in the background. We don't have to watch it, but I mean, it's, it's just brilliant. Is that there is somebody that's out there that knows the truth. That's right. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready for this. That's what we're asking. For. I think it's only like six episodes, though. But I mean, even I if it's a tryout, there is something bigger. I'm gonna find out. The tone is right. Yes, it's the We've dark, moody tone. All these years, Caterpillar randomly, or millipede, whatever the hell that was. It there, just doesn't make sense. I feel like there better be some ghosts. It's some shot similarly in terms of how the style of interviews are. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. Ooh. I just can't forget about it. I won't forget about it. Dead bodies, ghosts, disappearances. I think they were probably taken by people who were desperate. I have no memory of the lost time. Oh, Stop. missing time aliens, maybe? All of a sudden, everything erupted loudly. I get goosebumps thinking about it. This case needs to stay open. It should have never closed. Oh. oh, it's going to be good, Ian. It'll be interesting, I think, to see. I really do. If you know something, please come out. It'll be interesting to see if this is um, more Unsolved Mysteries or more Forensic Files. No, because, those are Unsolved Mysteries. Because Unsolved Mysteries literally are Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, but it kind of turned into, as it went on, it started to focus more on crime and stuff. That's all I'm oh, saying. It was I'm less wondering. Like, it was less, 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 less like missing aliens treasures and ghosts and, and missing treasures and shit like uh, that. And it was more and more crime. And while I am ready for a new crime show. Uh, lost, with, no, less Lost Loves. I like the Lost Loves thing. It was a happy ending I a lot could, of times. I could do without yeah, the Lost Loves. You were weird about that. I like the Lost. It was always an uplifting story, usually. Um, Half of them were solved. But the... Uh, I, I I realize that as time goes on, it's harder and harder to frame maybe ghost stories or find ones that 
still exist. There is one in there. I saw the okay. trail, one in New Jersey, Mount Vernon. If even if it's majority crime, just throw me a bone and do at least one ghost story. Maybe do a hidden treasure. You story. can't do one. You can't do one every time. There's not enough. Stuff. No, exactly. But if you're only doing six episodes, oh, just do. That's what do I'm saying. a couple ghost stories. If, if you're doing six episodes, one in the grand scheme of things, yeah. I better just see. I, I I just want to see enough segments to be representative of unsolved mysteries as a yeah. whole. Unsolved mysteries usually had I think four segments. Uh, four stories per 45-minute episode, we'll just say. One, each one was roughly 10 minutes. You always had a crime one with someone getting murdered yep. and or kidnapped. Then you usually had a, either a financial crime or a fraud thing mm-hmm. in there because lots of people getting taken for money like, you know, in a Boca Raton, Florida, some guy, yeah. some six-year-old guy gets an 80-year-old woman and takes all her money and has done it like eight times. Usually got one of those. Usually got uh, either every episode, every other episode, a lost love thing where someone got separated with an adoption or found their missing sister after like 50 years. Uh, there's usually one of those. And then a supernatural one you got every two or three episodes. You got something. The first two seasons, you got a lot of supernatural. Well, you got you got the Halloween episode, which is famous because it was all ghost stories. Well, there's a couple. My yeah. friend Rick actually made me a, a DVD set where he ripped all the ghost stories. And oh, it's like four DVDs from the first two seasons nice. total. That's all the ghost and then, stories. And then you got an alien story once in a while. You, you got like crop circles. You got an alien abduction one. But then they, that sort of dissipated as you went into the into the ninety, which is funny because that's when like the X Files came on, right? Uh, but I think they realized, well, maybe this less list this is this is horseshit, and you can't solve any of this, right? You know, basically, so we were going to get rid of that. And the missing treasure stuff, I thought was pretty cool. They'd have like I always thought that, that was kind of neat, you know, things like that. It's like oh, out somewhere in Utah, someone d- buried a treasure, and people are looking for the clues. And some guy's been looking for the looking treasure. for Sunny Jim, some guy for like, some old guy literally looking for like thirty five years, like he's from the Goonies, yeah. like looking for the treasure. So I had Willie. You know exactly. So anyway, I think that's going to be it's going to be good. I'm going to watch it. Someone suggested we should do uh, reviews of each episode. I don't mind that. You can do watch parties on on Netflix. There's a, there's like a, a browser app where everyone can sync up if they have it, and you can watch together. Wow. So maybe it's something on Twitch to do that. But um, no, and I like the fact that they 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 they, they didn't overly remix the theme. It was just the same theme. But yeah. You don't, don't, you, you, don't go too fancy. You, you don't, don't need to fuck with something. They screwed like that. up the theme in the later years. They they changed the theme too much. Yeah. The last couple of years when it went to like Lifetime or what have you. I, I would like to see though, like just like a Robert Stack statue somewhere. Yeah, like a little please, plaque. I was going to say something that. like that. Please let there be there, some sort there, of reference to the Stack Man. There has to be something there. Yeah. Like I don't I don't care if you make like a, a fake Robert Stack Institute of Unsolved Mysteries little. <laughs> office or something you know like it's just there, there has to be i don't care if you show like the, his trench coat hanging up yeah please you think that still exists i was just Can wondering I, auction? I was like that is a that is a tv show prop i would pay money for I would save Let's my fucking halfsies. pennies. Let's I would have these again. <laughs> I can wear it. I can wear it on even days. You can wear it on odds. <laughs> there has that has to exist somewhere. Yeah, well, of course it I'm does. A, I want to look that up at some point. We're gonna look that up uh, uh, at some point about what happened. Uh, fuck it. What happened, happened to, to Robert Stack's trench coat? Robert Stack's not son trench coat that comes up automatically. Trench coat is that one word? Two words. Let's see. 13 uh, things you never knew. Uh-oh. A chat with Robert. I only wear the trench coat because I desperately... Well, oh, they did a chat with him. All right, we'll find, we'll find this later. It we'll has to it. exist somewhere. Yes. I mean, it's your, it's your standard trench coat. My father had probably one of those in the 80s. You know, trench coats were in for men back back then. Uh, back, um, damn. Stack wore his from 88 to 02. Remember, he wasn't the original host of Unsolved Mysteries. They did a little pilots with yeah. other people before that. With uh, 
what the hell the guy played Perry Mason um, yeah what's his name I don't know doesn't matter anyway alright you wanna move on to the main podcast move it on to the main podcast which may be shorter in length than the intro um former Sony exec calls for shorter games that are cheaper to make um this is a Kotaku article uh this has kind of been um this comes up every once in a while uh, and this time it's Sean Layden former chairman of Sony Interactive Entertainment Worldwide Studios um he says that he would welcome the return of the 12 to 15 hour game uh, I would finish more games. First of all, just like a well-edited piece of literature or movie, I've been looking at the discipline around that, the containment of that. It could get us a tighter, more compelling content. It would be something I'd like to see a return to. Um, and I agree wholeheartedly. And it's it's not just for reasons of editing exists in novels and movies for a reason. And I've played games that definitely seem like they have filler segments or that are paced um, improperly. But if you get shorter games... Um, Shorter games would kind of help, I think, the uh, current problem that is happening in game development of uh, crazy ballooning budgets and crunch. By making a 12 to 15 hour game with high production values as opposed to, you know, a 30 hour game with high production values, you're inherently automatically limiting the amount of work that needs to be done on it. And you can cut out all sorts of crap in the meantime. I I hit the button there. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think this is... um... This almost goes along the lines of, uh, you know, the gamers now speaking about this are like the first generation of gamers that have hit their like 40s, we'll just say, were like, yeah, there were people gaming, you know, in the 70s, but that was like a fad and pong. I'm talking about like people like grew up with the NES that are still gaming today, like a lot of us are, that our, our lives, we change priorities as we get older. We don't have time to sit home anymore and just play tons of games. Like people have nine to fives and they come home and they, they don't have, they can't go through a game that takes 60 hours or 80 hours to complete. It's just impractical. We have responsibilities. People have families. People have other things to do. Uh, Well-rounded people. Obviously, there's people that can stay home on a weekend and play for 20 hours. Most people can't do that. So you're also, I think, over time, you are, by making these games that people before don't know, oh, my God, it's going to take me 100 hours to complete this, you you are turning some people off, I think, at the same time. Some Some people might just want a shorter game. I get turned off sometimes when I hear about how much content's in a game. When I hear, oh, yeah, Breath of the Wild, you can play for 300 hours. I'm like, that's great. I'm never going to get to that point. Or like the new Persona 5 Royale edition that came out. Um, I actually thought about going back to it because I didn't finish the first one, or the the, the Persona 5 the first time, because I like the game. It's good. But the Persona games are RPGs that are well known for having, like, 120 fucking hours of gameplay in them to get through. And, like, I just... That does actually stop me from from picking it up because I go, I'm having a tough time beating this 10-hour game. Like, I'm never... I mean, I'd enjoy the time that I spent on it. It's not wasted time, but I have to start looking at these games that I play and making the cuts to ones that I know I'm just never going to get the money's worth out of. At some point, I think you have to just take a step back. As Layden said, let's see here. The cost of creating games has increased. Some studios show it's gone up two times every time a console generation advances. The problem with that model is it's not sustainable. It's not. And miraculously, like as we said, games have stayed at $60 somehow. And yes, they've added microtransactions and DLC. But if, if you cut down the production time and, and scope I think you'll be safer at $60 or less without these microtransaction stuff. I mean, when you talk about GTA, that game came out seven years ago. It's There still hasn't been a new one that's come out. And yeah, people are, are playing the online, but those games take like four or five years to make a GTA. Easily. Like, 
we, these are budgets that are well beyond blockbuster movies. These are hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. once you get to that point. So these are risky ventures. They have to make sure they make their money back. And yeah, it's like, oh yeah, we want to get as much value out of the game as we can. But I'd rather have something come out more, maybe more frequently and less of a risk. And then there's less fucking bullshit put on the game. I mean, look how bad Battlefront 2 was uh, regarded because of that part of it. Yeah, and yeah, yes, that's EA's fault, obviously, for putting in all that the bullshit microtransaction stuff. But I don't think people would mind as much if the games were shorter. I think you'd have a lot less people complain than you realize. You'd have a vocal minority say, yeah, I want to play a game for 150 hours. Well, <clears throat> most people don't. I think you would find a lot of people... Um, I think some people might... It might take time... The people who actually do get around to like finishing a lot of this, it might be a shock at first, but I think you'd be beating the same amount... You'd be beating more games. You'd be playing more. I, I, I don't think there's a real negative. Um, at least... To me, I don't see one. And like I said, if there's less money put in these, into each individual game, then you could have potentially more risky games that you'd be like, okay, oh yeah, we're seeing a lot less risk, and we're seeing a lot less games overall from AAA. At, yeah, if you, yeah, a lot less risk and a lot less, um, a lot less games overall. If you look, if, I mean, if you just look at the number of games that came out on the 360 during its lifespan, and you compare it to what came out on the PS4 or the the Xbox One, it's a fraction. It took us three years to even get somewhat of a wall of physical titles for those systems up there because A, people had gone more digital but B, there just wasn't the same amount of games being released it sort of followed the same mold as the Hollywood studio system where they don't like taking risks anymore. Sure. There's a lot less smaller, we'll just say what's a smaller tier, like 10 to 20 million dollar movies being made they don't exist anymore. It's either really indie low budget or really fucking huge blockbuster yeah and that's what we have now there's nothing. There's nothing in between where it's like, oh, this could be interesting. We have teams um, of one to twenty, and then we immediately jump to like seven hundred people. Of, yeah, you know, three hundred and fifty plus. Where it's like literally bigger budgets than movies and more people than a movie. Uh, let's see. Here's here's a quote here. Major triple A games in the current generation go anywhere from eighty million to hundred fifty million or more to build, and that's before marketing. These are movie budgets. That's a movie budget. Um, it's a huge upfront cost extended over time. It takes three or four or five years to build a game while you're not getting any return on the investment. You just continue to pay into it for the big payoff at the end. I don't think in the next generation you can take those numbers and multiply them by two and expect the industry to continue to grow. They can't because one one misstep means your, your studio is finished at that point just about. Yep. You know, you just you can't. You can't put half a, half a billion dollars of development and marketing into a GTA game not realizing we're going to make a, a return on this investment, especially if they're publicly traded companies. You can't do that. you got to make sure. So, I, yeah, of, of course they, they got to take, take, a, take a step back in this. Of course. I, I, it's just common sense to me. And I think one of the benefits would be, as mentioned in this article, though, is I do think a lot of these games would benefit from um, some editing. So oh, they over they're, just, they're too bloated as they is. they get too bloated. There's a lot of filler content that I personally just <clears throat> don't need, and it's there simply to pad out the game. Um, and it's not there. And I realize they're doing it because I think that there, people think that there's this expectation. You know, I, I don't think I, I I've enjoyed the Final Fantasy VII remake, but like every once in a while they'll stop and they'll be like, "There's five side missions you can do here. Help these kids." And it's like it's all boring bullshit. Like some of it adds flavor story to it, but some of it it's really like they wanted you to stop here and waste forty five minutes to an hour so Just that grind. it could pad the game out. That's ridiculous. Um, and you know, I have a regular customer who I've mentioned this stuff before, but it it, it it's on my mind because I have this regular customer who came in yesterday. 
and he was talking he was he always picks up you know a bunch of games and he usually grabs a couple from various systems and um he was just saying that you know he was talking about how there are certain games that he likes but he can only play them on weekends because he gets home from work and he's tired and you know by the time he starts these games drag so much out that it doesn't feel like you can ever really get a meaningful one hour play session in of some of these titles it doesn't feel like you did anything it doesn't feel like you did anything because everything just takes so fucking long yeah i just yeah you know like you can't really you can't really throw on fallout you know fallout 4 especially if you've never played it before and play for an hour and feel like you've really done anything of any merit and i'm I'm assuming because you're invested in storyline um it would probably be the same for something like the last of us part 2 which i think is kind of the game that triggered this conversation again uh it's between 20 and 30 hours and people say you know a lot of it uh just just bullshit just kind of it's going over and over the same shit over like you know quests that torture i mean not only is you know it's the same stuff but it it, thematically it's the same thing over and over again and it it, it winds people down um but still even if it was a happy game you know there's an argument to be made that some of that can be cut and edited because the original game which got great reviews was about a 15 hour main campaign so they almost doubled it so they almost doubled it and critically they had no reason to think they needed to double it they just did I don't think you're going to get more people to say, well, I didn't buy the first one, but this one's double the length. No, if you like the first one, you're going to buy the second one. It, it did gangbusters, this game. So, like, I, yeah, it's weird. I, I just looked up. I'm trying to compare it to something like like books because books can take a lot of time to get through. There's no book that takes 30 hours to read, I don't think. Um, I looked up one of my favorite books that's a big book. I think it's 700 pages or so. Great Expectations. Classic Dickens. I love that. Um there's there's a website I guess that, that tracks how long it takes to read. It takes six hours and twenty two minutes to read Great Expectations, and that's a long book. That's a long quality book with no filler. Sure. And yes, it's not interactive like video games. I get that. But I'm just trying to compare different mediums with each other. Be like, no one would say, "Wow, I wish Great Expectations took twelve hours to read." No one does that with books. Right. <laughs> a, a fun book's a fun book. You you know when a book goes too long? Yes. Oh, you know that. You want to kill yourself because you can't skip it. Or, 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 or fast forward like or do a cheat code like you do with video games you have to grind through the book <laughs> so I, I don't understand that how how anyone can complain a, a game's only 30 hours long or only 15 hours long when you look at the price per especially with a lot of indie games that are even 15 hours long they cost like 10 bucks 15 bucks that's a lot of value you get out of there versus uh, you know if you're playing a game for, like like GTA 5 for hundreds of hours and you spent 60 bucks, I think you got your money's worth. You, I don't think you can you can complain at some point, no. especially since movies now cost eighteen twenty bucks to go to, and those are ninety minutes long, and those have actually adjusted with inflation and cost of production. Right. Yeah. So people complain about that, but say, yeah, a movie costs a lot more to come out with. I'll pay twenty bucks to see Endgame for a few hours. That's that's well worth it. Like we don't complain about movie yeah. costs. Are, there, are people actually complaining about video game costs still? I don't or, think anyone really does. I think, go back to my sixty dollars fucking Three Stooges game in in, in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't the value I was looking for. Thick but quick, young young Pat was not looking for that value there. So anyway, all right. Anything else to add here nah. on, on this? I, I think I think I think you're good. I think are, are there are, are there are there that many people out there can, that can buy multiple eighty hour games in a year and and not be phased by them and just be like, all right, I'm fine. There are, and I mean, do they have jobs. I mean, how, are they some are they trust do. fund kids? I, 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 no, some people have jobs. I'll be honest. If I could actually. And this is getting a little off topic. Right, if I actually now. had focus, 
I spend a lot of time pacing around not actually doing anything because of ADD. Okay. But uh, if I could actually focus and sit down and play the games that I bought, I could get through a few 80-hour games a year okay. with the free time. Most but, people most people work like eight hours a day, nine hours a day. Yeah. You get home, let's say, ten hours. You cannot be gaming more than four hours a night at most. At most. Are you kidding me? And getting to sleep and getting up for your job the next morning? People do it. They do five, six hours a night? Yeah. What are they, what are they, what are they on, on speed? Life, lifestyle <laughs> gamers, man. All right, six times four, 24 hours, and then and each weekend they're doing probably 10 hours a day then. They're living life on microwavable soup and Mountain Dew, whatever. That's why know. we can't have universal health care. There it is. Long video games and microwavable soup. And, and your wrap noodles that aren't healthy at all for you, but are tasty. Mm, they're slightly healthier than the other ramen I had in my uh, cupboard. How, how, what, 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 like a thousand less milligrams of, of sodium in that? No, like 50 less milligrams of sodium <laughs> out of out of a thousand milligrams yeah, I was gonna of say, sodium. Your, your, your water weight is like 70 pounds, right? Yeah. It's just bloating up. All right. Anything else to add here? No. And the CE Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Miller High Life. Miller High Life is an unpretentious quality beer. The champagne of beers is available to everyone and it's affordable. You can celebrate the wins of everyday life with Miller High Life. Big or small, there are always moments worth celebrating. Whether it's just getting home from a rough day of work or finishing everything that you had on your to-do list for the day. Oh man, it's good just to relax with a nice Miller High Life when you're home. The summer, Miller High Life will raise a can to celebrate summer's simple moments with limited edition champagne cans. There doesn't have to be a big moment for celebration. It could just be firing up that grill for the first time. You can find these limited edition cans in stores now. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly, Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right, Ian, uh, we have to discuss um, the Intellivision Amico. I'm going to be as professional as I can from the start. I must say that without ad hominems toward the people running it or person running it, especially the person that has called us both lazy cowards, we're still going to be professional discussing this from a business aspect yes as much as we possibly we're going to give more respect to the person who isn't giving us respect we'll just say so um the source of this information is uh that good old source for amico news amicogames.com which is a a tumblr that literally posts memes about about what's been going on with with the um (coughs) the intellivision amico and and it's uh CEO Tommy Talrico and and some of them are, are pretty funny so check out amigogames.com but we're not here to talk about memes we're here to talk about <laughs> something that warrants a little bit more discussion so, some positions that need to be filled there's four job listings that have come up two I think have been there for months and months I recall them coming up before <laughs> but two in the past week that have come up so we're going to start from uh from less serious to, uh, to more serious as we go along here to discuss these and see if any uh, red flags are raised. And before we get into these, this is a console that is supposed to be in people's hands on October 10th, 2020. That is less than three and a half months away from now. That'll be three months on July 10th. And as, as, as we record this on June 30th, we have not heard of this being pushed back at all. If you go to the FIG site, uh, where pre-sales have kind of been anemic, since they've, since they've gone up there. Now that the estimated delivery there says Q4 2020, but I believe, I believe the 10, 10, 20 is still on the main website here and there. So let's just go from now. And even if this is fourth quarter, this is some of this is troubling we're going to get into here. But even going in reverse, Ian, in terms of, uh, of, of how the process works on manufacturing and shipping, um, this would have to be completed, this console, 
in its entirety, I would say by, in order to get people's hands by mid-October by now? by three weeks from now. Because if you're going to put these all on a, sh- a huge shipping freighter, that minimally, based upon my my smaller experience with with the books coming from China, we're talking six about to seven weeks. Six to seven mm-hmm. weeks if, to be safe. Right. Something like sometimes longer. We'll even say six weeks. So you revert say that, a month and a half. Month and a half. So that means in order to, and, and that's just to get on land, not then picking it up, bring it to your warehouse, and fulfilling it. This has to be done. This console in the boxes. On the freighter, I want to be even generous, and I will say by uh, the first week of August, six weeks, you get to like late September, and then it hits then it has to, shipping, and then it gets trickled out. This thing has to be produced and done. If you want to give them this huge benefit of doubt, we'll say mid-August. Sure. We'll say mid-August, which is only six weeks from today. That means it has to be done, done, done finished no more Six updates weeks. you can still do stuff on the backside, but this thing has to have all the software loaded on it it's got to be complete all the controllers got to be everything's got to be tested and complete in the boxes everything in the middle of this summer we still weeks. don't know that we've even seen an actual well we haven't show. seen an actual console it's all, it's all renders they're all renders in uh, on the videos and when tommy in interviews has been showing are 3D printed and something 3D printed controller some, some shells pro- uh, and the console that's a prototype. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, which may have the real the real board in it. We don't know, but we've seen nothing production yet. So um, they are still looking for some positions here, which is troubling to me at this at this uh, this date. So the engineering ones will go through first. They're looking for a mechanical engineer and a mechanical production engineer as we as we do this on June 30th. These are from Indeed, Indeed.com here. And hey, if you find the position from, from us talking about it, maybe you give us a kickback. Indeed. Maybe, <laughs> maybe do that. Uh, so they're, they're seeking an mecha- uh, innovative mechanical engineer to join a rapidly growing team. As part of our production innovation design team, you'll contribute to the successful testing and launch of the Amico console and design and development of future hardware products and peripherals. In the immediate term, this position will be responsible for conducting and documenting functional mechanical testing and accelerated life testing of Amico's hardware. Longer term, this position will assist with the design, prototyping, testing, and sourcing of future products and peripherals. So this is alarming, I think, because we have to focus now, on the immediate use immediate. part, which is testing of hardware. That has to be just about done if you're going into production. Six weeks. If you're supposed to be producing at minimum, uh, we'll just say if they want to sell a few more, let's say 15,000 because the, the, the pre-sales, as we know, are supposed to be around between 12,000 12, 13,000. This has to be buttoned up. You, yeah. you should have that a, a manufacturer model already made that you are now putting through its paces before you say, all right, hit the button, make 10,000 or 20,000 of them. So six weeks to go, we're looking for people to test the system. <sighs> And document the functional mechanical testing of the in and outs of how this works. Remember, we talked about the 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 uh, the, the Atari VCS and how they have the documentation mm-hmm. and everything. Yes, that was them getting to the point where okay, our factory can make this product. Now we got to make sure they made it properly, properly. before we push the button or, or go and then produce them all. We made fun of them revealing the steps coming out, but they were going through the steps. Sure. It just seemed a little sloppy of us knowing them. It doesn't seem like they're at that step yet. Of having a factory a model ready to actually put through its actual paces, correct? And test. Okay, we have it here. Here's our prototype made with with the actual materials that the the end consumer will get. Is this properly made? Are there defects? 
Is this fitting properly? Is there something weird going on? You know, I don't know the, all the ins and outs of manufacturing, but I do know that's a part of the process um, there. So, so that's alarming, I would say. They also have a mechanical production engineer, which I guess is be working probably along with, with the other person here are parts of it. Uh, their responsibility is to be manage all elements of production in our global factories, including 3D designs, databases, engineering drawings, part approvals, and engineering change or engineering change orders for future for cur- excuse me for current products. Sorry, not future products. So it seems to me that you would need these positions in place now in order to make sure that this comes out seamlessly. Yep. Let me um, read this next one. This is the one where I start to go. Oh boy. Oh, oh, before we get there, real quick, I'll okay. run through a couple more of these. Um, troubleshoot and mitigate production issues, including functional process and cosmetic changes, which goes back to my point about once the factory has a model in hand, okay, you work Fine-tuning with Fine-tuning that model. Because a lot of times there might be issues with it. Some things don't fit properly. Maybe there's too much heat with the board or what have you. There's always... Going little... back to the entire VCS, the gap is a quarter of an inch. To... Yeah, whatever. We, we, we got to change the, the rib design to be right. one piece. You know, there's always going to be weird shit that comes up. My point is this, is that if this is supposed to be in production to hit the October date, which I don't know, it, there hasn't been a delay that I know of yet, this has to have been fulfilled already. Like, these are positions that have to be there already. Sorry, Ian, to cut you off. I, nope. I just want to. I want to put a. I want to hammer that. Point no, that's fine out. because it, it's really setting up for how bad some of this sounds. Which is the next. This this next one. Senior game console firmware developer. Job description. And this is coming from ZipRecruiter. <clears throat> ZipRecruiter. You will take on a key software position, working with the lead firmware and hardware engineers on the new Intellivision game console to help develop all the firmware and system level software to make the system run. I'm going to let that linger for a second. All the firmware and system level software to make the system run. Although your job is primarily firmware, you may be required to design simple PCBs, evaluate ICs, write drivers for them, etc. So you should be a professional embed engineer with experience in electrical design of microcontroller, microprocessor systems, but you prefer developing firmware, and that's your passion and what you will mostly be doing. You will report to the lead firmware engineer on the project. So there is a lead here, but it seems like we still have to fulfill a key position here. A very key position. This is... You will be responsible for helping to bring bring up the hardware from a firmware perspective and for helping to write all the code that gives the machine its basic boot system, Be- basic boot sequence and system loading. You'll have to work at the Linux Android driver level, but dig down into registers, et cetera, et cetera. You need to feel right at home doing this. They need a system. I think it's it's interesting where we have so much focus on games right because games is what people expect a, a game console to have you want to play games and they're developing these as far as i can tell in android i mean you can yes you, you don't yes, you don't need a working yes you don't need your own no. it, this is not a proprietary these are, these system are, these are not to, i'm not gonna this isn't denigrating mobile games these are no. mobile games, games which means you do not need to have like a a dev kit to make a mobile game right it's, they, it's, they, they're, it's standardized they can make the mobile um, they can make the games well ahead of having the final system yes which is the point is that other devs are getting paid uh there's german people are getting grant money to to make uh for the games which we've talked about before which we can touch on uh, again how that might be troubling with everything's going on but the the game development 
in this case, not like a PS5 case or a Nintendo Switch case, the game development in this case does, does not, not show system pro- progress. Does not guarantee that the system is coming along smoothly. Right. It doesn't. Because you're developing mobile games. Literally ones that are on a mobile device. If you if the two that that we know about, but also I don't know the Moon Patrol demo on the app is literally a mobile game because it's on, right. They're mobile games. We can't we can't pretend they're not at this point. The system will run on a modern uh, system on a chip, eight core APU with GPU running a custom Linux plus Android environment. You must have experience getting Android up and running on target hardware, even if this was on a pre-developed BSP. I don't know what that is. If you've never done this, it's non non trivial. Game console running on an APU based on Linux plus Android will, of course, require hundreds of drivers. Many will be off the shelf, but you and your support team will have to develop, modify custom drivers, especially in the areas of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So we, so we they, need they drivers to, to be developed so they have within to, six weeks? They have to come up with the coding. And firmware, if people don't realize, the firmware, firmware is, is the communication software to make sure the hardware can run. That's what firmware is. We are still looking to find... it. I don't know how much the leads are getting done, but we, it doesn't seem like we're close to being finished on actually having something functional. Even if you're manufacturing the console, you need to put the software firmware on that console. Yep. These are different pieces going on. And as far as I know, I don't think you can responsibly manufacture a console without the software and firmware all being completed. No, I don't think so. It would seem can. haphazard to do that, wouldn't it? Yes. Wouldn't you have to have steps in line? Like, whenever you see, like, prototypes of the PS5 and Nintendo Switch or, what, or old consoles, like, it doesn't matter what the console looks like. Like, the, like remember, the, remember the Project Dolphin, you know, for the GameCube? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. develop the, the, the operating software, the environments, the firmware, on the, whatever your hardware, whatever final way it looks is trivial compared to making sure that's done first. Right. Have an operating system completed. Have all the firmware completed. Now let's worry about how our console looks what's proper for that this is to me ass backwards obviously because now we know from day one uh when this when this was announced uh in october uh 2018 they just had a cute console to design they didn't know what the hell was going to go in it there was obviously nothing close to being finished we have we have an idea for a console and now i think this is the result of that backwards development we are seeing it now Mm -hmm. i think there'll be a huge struggle I'll be shocked if this is anyone's hands on October 10th. I would love to be proven wrong, Ian, because now they've taken one and a half million dollars of people's money. Yeah. You know, um, I would be shocked if this is in people's hands on October 10th. Hell, I might go a step further. I might be shocked that we'll see this this year if they're this far behind. Unless they really ramp up and get this thing finished in the next, I'd say, couple of months to have it come out to have it come out this year and this and we didn't get to the last position yet which we'll get to and this has nothing to do with covid this is you don't need this is not a covid issue this is people developing and writing firmware and software this is all stuff that you can hire discuss talk about phone online email yes work from home zoom meetings some you work you work off of a github together and you share resources back and forth that's how other game developers do it even in office um so this is this is extremely uh, troubling. Uh, this is what it says on the listing for a firmware developer. Uh, we are developing a game console here. That's good. It probably should have been developed by now if you're if you're ready to go into manufacturing. Yeah. This is a high performance hardware platform that is size and cost restrained. So getting everything out of performance out of the hardware is imperative. MIP. I don't know what that stands for. You should be highly concerned about speed. 
optimization, memory allocation, cache architectures, and so forth. Blah, 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 blah. And so, uh, and another one, the embedded Android software developer. And these were posted, oh, they were posted over a month ago. So they've been looking for these two for over a month and they're not, they're not uh, filled yet. This is a two to three month contract with possibility of full-time employment, this one. Uh, this is, again, working with hardware and firmware teams on a new video game console to develop system-level Android software to make the system, to make the system run. To make the system run. We are not at the point where we're making the system run at this point. Unless these are old uh, job listings from ZipRecruiter. But um, your job will be primarily at the level of the, of the operating system and tools. Jesus. Other senior engineers will also be brought on board depending on the anticipated level of effort required to complete the product in a timely manner. The system, again, will run on a system on a chip. And, and we don't know what, what the uh, board is in here yet. Uh, it's been postulated that it's a banana pie board. I'm not going to say that's for true. Some of the specs do line up with the banana pie board, which is like a $15 to $20 off the shelf uh, Android uh, Android uh, system board mm-hmm. uh, there. Um, uh, it has not been revealed. They don't have to reveal if they don't want to, but obviously people are going to be wondering it. But it's to me, it's probably in that cost range based upon what, what this system is. It's probably something <clears> like that. Um, our game console will, will, of course, require numerous drivers. You and the other system software developers will share responsibility for writing what amounts to a new home screen for the console. Plus all the software plumbing for downloading content from our servers, launching apps, and provide, providing numerous menus and other user experiences to players. You'll also be involved in writing the code that communicates with our wireless hand controllers. So, to me... What? To me... I mean, this one and the other one are the are the most uh, the uh, the last one are, are the most damning, and they've been up there the longest. So who knows if they're just old or what? But um, this is, I mean, very much. I I, I cannot I cannot walk away from reading these without with with anything less than the assumption that this console is basically nowhere near ready. No firmware, no user interface. We don't know if it can boot up. We've we've seen that we've seen games being played. We have not seen. Uh, whatever custom system architecture that they've come up with, with whatever customer, we have not seen someone hit a button, unlike the VCS, which is now, we know it's it's been produced. We've not seen someone hit a power button, see it come up on screen. Hey, here's the Amico screen. We boot it up. Click a game to load. Let's load the game. We haven't seen that yet. No. That's not insider info. We haven't seen that yet. You That has to exist in order to, I'm not trying to talk down to people. You have to be able to boot up a console, have everything communicate properly between your your console, your controllers, be able to download content from the web store, from the, have the servers be operational from their home in order to each individual's consumer base. This has to all be working before you are going to manufacture your console. Which you should probably be doing within about six weeks. We're not saying it has to be 100% perfect. It has to be done, though. It has to be buttoned up, at least, to that point. This tells me you're not there. You are not close to being there at this point. Yeah. This isn't alarmist. Uh, This is, to me, common sense. This isn't like being a hater. This is, what is going on with your console? Yeah, what's actually happening with it? It's full-stack development, this embedded Android software developer. Full stack to develop. I had to look it up because I didn't know what that term was. I dropped out of computer science in college. Full stack development is a full stack developer is a person who is comfortable working in the front end and back end of web development. 
basically means you got to work on the server stuff on both sides, right? From, from the, the 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 outgo and I guess the incoming messages, the communication on both ends. That sounds like web store stuff. It's web store stuff. It's probably updating uh, updates up software. Hell, I'm not. I I don't know if there's clarifications yet about this. About if this is out of the box, you can play this without an internet connection. My guess being that this is mostly digital games. You're going to have to require an internet connection to get up and running and to register. Right. So these are all things you need. By the way, we don't even know at this point. This is an aside that's small, since this is something that Tommy tried to do a gotcha. We don't even know what the what the physical media uh, format is on this console yet. If there's going to be one, I, I said, I very innocently said something about there not being physical media on it because it was not announced anywhere. And uh, he came back and I, I don't know if it was trying to, you know, try it's to... gotcha, like the price thing. <clears throat> we were right on in the end. Right. Yes. It was like, oh, we didn't say that there's never going to be any. There might. We're looking into it. Which is funny because I wonder how many of the... of the, the... Not everything requires an answer back. I, I think it's funny. Um, I wonder how many of the people that pre-ordered this Intellivision put down their deposit realize that they're not getting what they consider to be a real physical format I haven't seen a card slot or a cartridge slot or anything or even like a little switch slot uh, on here the rumor I saw was that um, again this is a rumor I heard that it's basically your physical media will be an RFID card that you basically your system scans and it downloads Loads it, so it's not really physical. So it's not. It, it, physical. It, it, it's it, physical it, in a sense, but it's it, not. It's, physical right. it, it's like going to. It's like the. There's been a few games who released like physical cases with a download card inside, sure. so you could have it on your case. Like uh, Ducktales did that initially, the Ducktales remaster. Sure, but but an RFID chip is is through the air though. Yes. So it's it's basically going to be a command to say, oh, this person bought it, like a gift certificate. Download it from the server. But, yeah, what I'm saying yeah. is, is it leaves you with a, it's, uh, it's you're buying a digital a game. It leaves you with a trinket. It's a trinket. Yeah, leaves you with a trinket. But it won't be a cartridge, and it probably won't be a what we know a little switch flash card. Right. That you put. But in anyway, I want I want to stay away from from rumors and kind of end it there, just because that's that's literally what he's always jumped back on was these little things like that. I I, uh, I would I don't I want to focus. And yes. Stay, I want, okay. I want this to be what we're left with. Firmware still being developed, which makes your console run. Uh, we don't know if you can boot up this console yet. We haven't seen any evidence that this console is bootable at this point. Um, uh, full stack development, so s- server communications. We still need driver work. development. We need we need driver development. We need communication uh, between, according to these uh, job listings, between the console and the controllers. There has to be communication. Yeah. And this is supposed to be in people's hands in a little over three months. That ain't gonna happen. I mean, I guess if you rush to do this and then uh, ship them uh, by air quickly within a week to get over to get some of them, but the cost of doing that, at least based upon the books, is is massive. Um, but you could do that. Maybe maybe just to make that date, you you make make a hundred of them or a few hundred. I mean, the Atari VCSs have made. I think they were probably made like they made like a hundred or hundred and fifty recently. That was the last update. But the VCS is produced. It's it's done. So we, 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 it's a real product. Still a waste of money, but yes, it's but, done. But it's a real product. It might be yeah. a piece of shit product, but the Atari VCS is a real product. They are miles ahead of where the Intellivision Amico is at this point. And I don't care if, if you tout who came along uh, on your project, who, who used to work at, at a prestigious company 20 years ago or 30 years ago. This is, to me, troublesome. And I hope this is focused on more and more as we go forward. Don't worry about what game you could play that's, that looks like it's developed. Because guess what? That game could run on, on your Android or, or iPhone if right. it wanted to. That's not the issue. The issue is, 
are you going to have the console to create this artificial environment to play the mobile games? Where is that at? Like, where is that to play these games? The games being developed isn't the issue. Because those games, I guarantee you, if this, if, this, uh, if this console doesn't last a while, which I'll, I'll put my betting money on, we'll probably see those games end up elsewhere. It would be smart to have those games end up elsewhere. Maybe in a television pack on the Switch. Maybe. <laughs> like we had talked about before. Or on my phone. Like, that would be a smart thing, unless, there, unless there's an exclusivity contract that you know, they'll have for that. But, um, yeah, look these up. We'll, we'll list them. Uh, unless they, they go away by the time we come out with the, the video segment. But I, I took uh, screen captures just in case they change this. But again, this is this they're looking for people to basically make this system environment and console. They're basically looking for people to make the console. I mean, on a software and firmware It's level. like they focused on these games for so long and then realized, oops, we need something to play it on. We foc- Yeah, we got the games done which is which games and controllers games and controllers would not worry about the environment itself and and how this is going to communicate with our servers and being able being able to function once you actually have it home and hook it up to a tv what's going to happen will it be as usable as a toaster oven in order to play games or will this actually function so all right ian um we're going to talk about the sega pluto prototype for sale on Heritage Auctions website. Heritage, Heritage has been getting in the news lately here. And we brought up the Sega Pluto, what, like three, four months ago? Mm-hmm. I don't that, even think it was that long ago. It wasn't that long ago, Ian. So this is going to be auctioned off. Um, if there's going to be a reserve, it'll be posted on uh, July 2nd, or recording before July 2nd. Right now, and this is likely the same one we, we talked about before. That member, they, they put it up for sale. They took it down. Yep. There was an interview with the person that found it uh, in, in the flea market in Cal- Northern uh, California somewhere, wherever it was. Um, so, Sega Pluto console prototype. It's currently at, with the buyer's premium, $3,000 uh, right there. Um, the auction ends in nine days. So, that'll be around, uh, around the 10th or so of July, it looks like here. So, this is interesting because it seems like Heritage Auction is now starting to sell more and more hardware, starting to get into this. I don't know after the Nintendo PlayStation crashed and burned as much as a 300, whatever it was, 320,000, 360 with buyers premium was. Like, I don't know if this is the right place to auction something like this. I don't know if it's the right place to auction something like this. I don't know if it's the time to auction something like this. Uh, whether it was Heritage or not, after the you know, relative disappointment of the uh, Nintendo PlayStation auction. If I had some sort of unique console or prototype, I don't know that I'd want to do anything with it. I'd want, I'd want, I'd want the memory of that failure to be a bit further in the past. Well, it would show me that it's a huge danger to do this auction. Yes, like if I could have sold it for seven figures. If I saw someone else sell, uh, this is two of a kind, not one of a kind. There's two of these that exist. This is the the zero two version. There's a zero one, but it, okay, something that's extremely rare prototype. If I saw something go for hundreds, several hundred thousand dollars less than what the um, private sale would have done, why would I trust that I would get top dollar for for this? Yeah, especially when that auction was what was that two months ago two and a half months ago that the nintendo playstation right what 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 triggers the now's my time to sell <laughs> like in you after looking at that i, I mean were you, are, are you getting a you're getting a rusty trombone from the people at heritage auctions to make sure that hey don't worry we'll, it'll sell like because they don't care they're making their buyers and sellers premium either way like there's no risk to, oh. to the middlemen 
don't know why you stretch and don't think you're going to get hurt. Uh, I think it's funny to watch that. I was like, here it comes. Here's he getting hurt. So, okay. I'll, I'll go over the, the listing here. Um, Sega Pluto-02 console prototype Sega circa 9596. Until, until recently, the Sega project was completely unknown outside of the company. Uh, the world uh, was only included when a Sega America employee leaked the details of the console to the world back in 2013. Two have been confirmed to exist. This one is Pluto-2 unit. The other is Dash 1. This one has Sega Saturn printed on the top, and the label on the bottom of the console reads Pluto-2. The BIOS for both prototypes is a North American version, which makes sense considering Japan did not seem to take as much of an issue with the price point as North America did. There you go. Um, so this is a, as, as just to, again, this is a, a Saturn that has the front loader on it. It's uh, slightly different here, and it has the built-in what internet stuff. Yeah, it has an onboard Netlink modem. Yeah, there you go. And it has whatever. I guess they haven't discovered what was on that hard drive yet that was in there, that little drive. They don't, they don't know what's on there. Okay. Yeah, that's the difference. Those are the, those are the three main things, uh, difference here. Um, so it's not as interesting as Nintendo PlayStation. It's still interesting, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it's just not as interesting as something that never came out that was, you know, could have changed the whole video game industry. So um, I don't know. Again, I, if this was me selling it, obviously it's not. I don't know what the person's situation is. I would just get fielders for this until I got something hit what my minimum was. Because if this, say, say my, minimum, my minimum in my head is $50,000, I don't know if this is going to get something to that high. I don't know. It's hard to guess what, what something like this is going to end at. I, there's a lot less interest in a Sega Saturn prototype versus obviously Nintendo PlayStation. Sure. This doesn't have any sort of prestige or, I guess, the mythical status of Nintendo PlayStation does. Yeah. Especially since it's a console that already exists. It's just a modified It's just console. an updated version of it's it. A, it's a Robert Stack update, which I should... That should be on my soundboard. Update game. should definitely that should be, be on, on my soundboard. I, w- I would actually thumbs up that one. That one should be on there. How have I not... Th- think of that. I only have two more spaces on, on, on here. So, um, update definitely deserves to be there. So this is, this is the auction going off July 9th to 12th. Uh, in Dallas, please don't go to Dallas. I think that they're they're now doing not these in person anymore, because uh, because it's a hotbed now for for the good old uh, COVID here. Um, oh, oh, they they did a, they did a they did a little um, uh, YouTube video heritage for this to promote this. Oh, really? I don't remember them doing that for the Nintendo PlayStation. They nah, did not video. that I'm aware of. It's if there a, was one, I didn't see it. It's just a cheesy little promo video that shows like a still image and like background. <laughs> It's and game over flashing. All right, I'm going to put that in the video. I did not see that there for sale. But there's other stuff that's being auctioned. That's where they're they're they're, they're auctioning off stuff like the Resident Evil uh, chainsaw controller. Chainsaw. I mean, I'm controller. I'm unaware of that being that. I mean, it's cool, but I don't understand why you would go to Harris auctions to. It's not extremely rare, right? I mean, you can no. find those. Yeah, I think people just want to. At this point, I think it could be the case of people wanting to just catch speculators with their pants down and making bad decisions like they've been making with the um, the Atari games. By the way, I, I, I talked to uh, our pal uh, uh, Albert, who uh, runs uh, our, our our favorite website for Atari Age, since the other one died out uh, there. Um, and he's a big-time Atari collector. He's, he's, he wasn't even aware of, of these insane auctions happening. Really? So the Atari he had people, no idea. So I wonder if, if the Atari people... Uh, I like how some of the Atari people are obviously they're just like yeah we're Atari fans they're not they don't they're not speculators they don't keep up to date on this shit I just think it's funny though because people like him and Rick Weiss probably have some of these sealed laying around some of these games and a bunch of other people do because they've, they've been collecting Atari for 25-30 years yeah I, they could tank these markets easily if they went and got these graded and hey we'll just throw out you know like here you have like your you have your sealed uh, never sealed uh, sealed whatever Pac-Man which is common as dirt 
the ones they literally had to put in a landfill, it's at 725 bucks with nine days left. You don't think there's a few hundred of those in these collectors easily laying around? <laughs> there, there definitely I mean, easily. I might have a sealed Pac-Man. I'm not sure. I got to find where my box Atari games are. And like this stuff is not rare here. Um, yeah. Uh, a Contra's at 11 grand though. Sealed Contra. Holy shit. Hey, I love Contra. Wow. 11 grand. Uh, that's more than what the Legend of Zelda is going for sealed right now. That's insane. 11 grand for Contra. I mean, Contra is a, a famous game, but in the history of video games, I don't know if that warrants that price. Though compared to it's more it's right now like that's the big that's the heavy hitter right now compared to all the other NES games besides Mike Tyson's Punch Out that's going for twelve and a half uh, Rev A not even the first one that's a mid production right there which maybe some of these people don't care uh the first uh, Super Mario Brothers three the Left Bros is at sixteen and a half thousand with nine days left Jesus Louise so what the hell do I know what the hell do I know I I, I mean I wish I had a seal Super Mario Brothers three I wish I wish I could have foreseen all this ten years ago when these weren't worth that much. You can get these for a few hundred dollars, a lot of these seal games. Sorry, Ian, your sealed Lolo is only at uh, 460 right now. Jerks. Right now, you should bid it up. Uh, this will be the telling one. A sealed Bases Loaded 3 is only at $76. Poor Ryan Sandberg. Poor Ryan Sandberg. Show him respect. Hey, a Batman Return of the Joker, a very uncommon game. Oh, that's not. That's only complete in box. That's $105. But they haven't. They haven't really caught on to the complete in box stuff unless it's sealed yet. Another Contra sealed 7.0 is at $2,800. So in the same auction, they're they're only at um you know, uh, 2,811 grand. But there's two in the same auction. Make sure you know there's a lot more of these that exist here. So anyway, but anyway, that's all. That's just as an aside. We'll, we'll we'll comment on these once a month, maybe just just because they're fun. And it's interesting to see what's being bid on and what's not. The complete box stuff that was going for for nothing compared to the the, the seal the seal stuff, right? Even stuff that's hard to find. Uh, we talked about some. I think we t- talked about. Um, um, I think a gun neck didn't go for even a lot. Sealed one. Um, it went for less than a grand, I believe, and that's a hard to find game. Wow, that's impressive. Um, I believe uh, I, I can look it up, but it just shows you again how this is just a different different audience versus the people that exist. But hey, if you want to get that uh, Pluto prototype, Ian. You can get on there. Oh, the Resident Evil 4 uh, limited controller, Chainsaw controller, is only at $56 right now with 11 days left. So, And and the Biohazard 4 one, unreleased controller designs at $210. It's from 2004. So I don't know. Weird. Uh, Xbox, there's an Xbox projector console. Projector console from 2000? What? I didn't know that was a thing. There's a projector in the front? Wow, that's at $230. To me, that's interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know about that before. That's like the last thing in the auction block there. It's got a built-in projector. Okay, then. Branded by DLP Technology in the front. Okay. Must be a promo thing. There you go. All right. Well, we'll come back there. We'll, we'll see what they end up at in a, in a couple of uh, couple of weeks. All right, Ian, we have a Patreon poll. We do. Patreon.com slash CU podcast. That's not what you've been getting wrong. What have you been getting wrong? We do the full video podcast. <laughs> That's available. Do weekly writing. The audio podcast is free, everyone. It's 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 free ninety nine, uh, free ninety nine on podcast, Google Play Store, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify. I do a uh, weekly writing. Uh, we also talked talk about burgers last week. It, yeah, it did. made me a little hungry. Yeah, been fasting. Uh, what else? I do a hangout once a month, and you get to vote in a weekly poll topic. In third place. What was your favorite thing about the start of summer, and were you a beach kid? Only 16%. It ain't going away for the whole summer. 
I, I will tell a story or two. In second place, speaking of summer and summer reading, what were your favorite books and book series growing up or recently? And in first place, Ian, Ian, this is your topic here. What is your go-to game when you need to decompress and eliminate stress? Which you, I know you have very little of. Yeah, very, very little. Um, so the genre would be um, first-person dungeon crawlers. Uh, and I think specifically, I would say... Um, Etrian Odyssey on the 3DS is a game series. What is it called? Etrian, E-T-R-I-A-N, Odyssey. Um, On the 3DS is a series that I keep going back to. There's six mainline entries in the series and I believe two spinoff entries. And it's a first-person dungeon crawler like the original Bard's Tale or Wizardry. Um, The big thing with Etrian Odyssey is... um, and, and they made it a little bit easier as time went on it, it, to, I think, kind of meet people halfway. But you draw all your own maps in Etrian Odyssey. So the bottom chunk of your 3DS acts as virtual graph paper, and you make the maps as you go through the dungeons. Um, I think it was like jokingly referred to as a cartography RPG when, huh. when it first came out. That's pretty so cool. So you do, I mean, back if you played a wizardry on the NES or on the PC, you had to do this. This was stuff that you had to do. You had to get the graph paper and draw the maps sure. square by square if you had any uh, hope of getting through the later levels without getting, you know, murdered or lost. Um, games. As time has progressed, a lot of these first-person dungeon crawlers have added some amount of auto-mapping, uh, whether it you know, fills in the spots in as you walk, you. Yeah. it fills in for you, it does the mapping for you. Um, you know, you can find, uh, you can find um, spells that will illuminate chunks of the map and things like that. So a lot of those games you know, did work on making that mapping aspect less of an issue, but um, Etrian Odyssey purposely goes back to the basics uh with the most with the last one uh Atrian odyssey nexus you can actually turn you know uh full like wall and floor auto mapping on so it'll you know make the map as you walk you would sure. still want to leave icons and notes on the maps and all that and they give you a lot of ways to do that but um on top of the mapping it's it's a very very difficult game um like most classic rpgs are um your your progress is is measured by you know hallways and rooms you know you're going you're going for inches here not not miles um and it's very even though it's very difficult it's there's something about the routine of going to the dungeon map out a new section fight a couple battles level up go back to the town you know uh spend your skill points rest at the inn you know, buy some items, sell some stuff off for gold, and go back in and do it again. And you just get into this very pleasing lull. And there are people who play RPGs who get really into the number crunching and the the statistics and stuff like that. And when I need to distract myself from something, um, especially that is emotionally um, upsetting to me, getting lost in that that cycle of of, of numbers and leveling and mapping helps so, take my mind off it because there's so much other stuff at play so so like you want a game that it's so involved that you have to be constantly thinking about things it's, in the game yeah i mean it's involved but it's also a very simple loop i mean there's a lot of steps to what you're doing but none of it is particularly hard and you can fall even though i say it's a challenging game you can you learn how to play it safely so you're actually never really too too terrified of of dying 
You're like, you get, you get used to knowing, okay, I've got to level up. So you just grind forever. And grinding gets to the point where it becomes, um, it's not dangerous. Well, RPGs, I mean, RPGs to me aren't too stressful, right? Because they're like slow at your own pace. Yeah, but yeah. this, the, I mean, the other thing is, you know, these types of RPGs are generally fairly light on story. It's, gotcha. what, it's what you make up. So, you know, there's, there's really nothing to distract you from the adventuring, the mapping, the going in and getting treasure and finding stuff. And there's something appealingly simple uh, about that to me. And this is the one on the DS? Um, they, they've only made it on the DS so far. They've made multiple ones, it looks like. Yeah, right? one, through five, uh, one through five, Nexus, and then two spinoffs. Oh, there's there's little story interactions with people, little cutscenes. The two of the spinoffs, the cat in the guy's head. Um, oh yeah, that's the shopkeeper from Nexus. <laughs> there's a big fat cat. Yeah, there's a big head. fat white cat on that lady's head. Um, the the two spinoffs, um, the Etrian Odyssey Untold series. Those are far more focused on story. I'm looking at the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Also, so it has a little has a graph paper on the bottom. That's pretty cool. And you can like mm-hmm. hit your stylus and put things on that's not a bad idea so that has kind of been my ultimate one uh i mean i started i i got through uh, not to be like overly emotional but i got I, I mean that was the game i think it was like the second or third one i um played relentlessly when my grandmother got sick with cancer uh and passed away um because it was one of those few places where i could find i, I could shut my brain off basically i could turn everything else off and just focus on this um and i've been i started playing nexus i i put off nexus specifically because i knew there would be a time in my life where i needed a game like this and i ordered nexus about a month and a half ago and i've been playing it when i start to get just too fucking pissed off at the world right now it's a it's a good time to play a game like that that i can escape into sure um I usually don't go back to, as an adult, I don't go back to video gaming that much when I'm stressed, because to me that's it doesn't it doesn't soothe me. I don't I don't I don't know. It's just not a thing. But when I was a child, the more I think about it, I played games a lot when I was stressed because I grew up in a household where you know parents were arguing every single day. Sure, and you always heard yelling, so you try to escape and try to like go into your little your little yeah. corner. And try to do that. Your space. Yeah, my the, 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 that's that CRT right there. That mana box is where the NES was hooked up to. Ian. Yep. It was upstairs for a lot of time. It wasn't the TV uh, for the first years of the NES. It was upstairs, and because that has an AV out, and you hit the little button to turn it to RGB, and you played it in the hot fucking. It was one of those converted upstairs that were all an attic, and they were converted. Yeah. You have the attic door, so like you try to keep the heat out, but it's next to impossible. Right. It was one of those. Um. So I play whatever NES game I had um, in order to, you know, be okay. Um, but, okay, I have one specific story where, where Street Fighter 2 called me. And this is more of a Tales from Past Neighborhood thing where this was... Jesus Christ, Street Fighter 2 came out on the Super Nintendo at 92. So 12, that is 6th grade, I believe. Something like that, 6th grade. 6th um, grade, maybe 7th. So um, there was there was a there was a, like a performance... Um, group thing for some class I forget what it was but someone put, you put on a performance and, and you grouped up into like four or five students each um, so um, I don't even remember what my group did for whatever this project was some performance or what have you some project it, it might have been an AV sort of thing so there was a group of five kids and they were most of the bullies that grouped up you were allowed to group up so it was Rob goddamn Rob Joey H, I won't say your last name. Joey H. You little Napoleon Complex little bully brat. 
used to cross check me when we were playing street hockey. Oh, I, I used my no, you used your stick, you asshole. Um, it was him, uh, Mike, Mike S, and another person. They did a video. What's on a camcorder is a big deal. They did a music video making fun of another student in cosplay. And and the teachers didn't know at the time. It was funny. You're a kid. You're laughing. You should looking back. You shouldn't have laughed at it. Making fun of a kid that they all picked on. Right. You know. And the kid they picked on. I don't want to say he deserved it, but he was he was a little dickish. But he didn't deserve how much they picked on him. They made it worse. And they did something bad to him um, later on. That one kid got suspended for, which I regret not not going after the kid that did it. But I was too weak when I was 13, 14. I. I I didn't stick up for kids as much because I was afraid of getting attacked, but whatever. It's one of my regrets in life. But anyway, so um, they did a video making fun of this kid. They dressed him up. They did his little how he talked. And so people were laughing. Most of the people realized. The teachers didn't realize it. We all watched this on like the TV, like the AV. You know, they wheeled in the, the yeah. cart. And so I, I, I uh, semi-yelled to someone like, I would say 20 feet away. Hey, that's, that's, that's Thomas. They're, they're, they're doing him. The teachers heard that. And so the teacher's like, oh, okay. So those kids got in trouble because of that. They they so the kids blame me for ratting them out. I didn't know I I didn't realize what I was doing. Right. I was in the back of the room. There was kids because it was like all the groups. It was all the kids grouped up from the multiple classes, and so I was going to my friend. So they they wanted to beat the shit out of me when I was like twelve. There's like three or four kids. One of them I could probably take out. I can't take out four of them. Sure. So there. So coincidentally, they were doing like a, a like a a. Um, I think it was supposed to be like a softball game. Um, we, we, they, we rarely had things outside of school where everyone would meet up. All like, yeah. say like 30, 40 kids. Right. So now I realized I can't go because it's a trap. They're going to either harass me or try to beat me up. And it wouldn't be a fair fight, likely. And I wasn't in the, at the state I was worse white were. It was, this was before the Jeff fight. If it was after the Jeff fight, they wouldn't have messed with me. This was before. I didn't know I would be able to snap and, and almost kill someone. <laughs> so I didn't have anything going for me then. So... I backed out of it. I backed out of the software, uh, excuse me, softball thing. And I felt ashamed. I felt I was obviously stressed. They were, they were taunting me. I got, I'll never forget this, Christine, who I rode on the bus with. You try to trick me into going. Now remember, this is turning. This is turning. This girl, Christine, I lived four blocks from that I was friendly with and had a semi, not really crush on my, oh, she was cute. She was friendly. She called me up on the phone and no girl called you up on the phone ever when you were 12 years old. Hey Pat, why don't you come on up? You, f- I remember. I think you've talked about this before. You, you, twelve-year-old, b- you were trying to do the dirty work of what to get your boyfriend bully to get me to come out to have me humiliated. I'll never forget that as long as I fucking live. Maybe you should though. <laughs> that was the most devious thing a girl ever did to me in grade school, and I rode on the bus with this girl every year for like eight years, <sighs> and she tried doing that. So anyway, so I played Street Fighter two. All the while, I know that you know. I was going to be looked at as a wimp for not showing up, but it was a lose-lose situation. Unless I would have snapped and beat the hell out of the kid, but you know they would have maybe piled on me there. But uh, but fighting games are, I would say, not that they're calling to me. This is a big end around that story. But fighting games are so to me rhythmic and time-based. Maybe it's similar to you with the RPGs where you don't you stop thinking when you're playing fighting yeah. games. Oh yeah, they're, they're just, you don't have time to think when you're playing a fighting game. It's just it's all about okay, I you know when you're in a certain spot. On your 2D plane, you should be doing a certain move. You should be setting up a move. You you really don't think. Yeah. It's really not more strategy, more about it's muscle memory and timing. It's reaction yeah. to situations. Yeah, and that's what I'm good at with good old good old Ryu. Ryu kicking ass, how he always does there. 
Um, but overall, I would say after childhood, I never played a game to relieve stress. I, it just never appealed to me to do that. And I'm not sure why. Maybe because, because you know, I could I couldn't get lost in it like I could when I was a kid. I don't know. Sure. I should have beat up that. I should have beat up that kid though. Back then, I should have taken the gamble. But no one had my back. I was I was I was friends with the kids that were more quiet and you know like it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have went well for me. Unless I almost killed the kid, and then they almost would have left me alone. <laughs> Looking back, maybe I should have made the gamble. Oh, Joey, I should have—I should have taken you out. I should have, ta- like I said, I should have taken out the kids. That Je- I shouldn't have taken out Jeff. I should have taken out those kids. Would have done it. The world, of- man. Sorry, Sorry. I, I didn't know I could focus that that thick but quick rage at that young age. Didn't know I could do that. Sorry, I'm reliving. I'm reliving that that memory now. It's all good. That like May, that May, whatever '92 <laughs> memory or '93, whenever it happened, <laughs> in the spring. That was devious, Christine. That was super devious. I never will forget that. Obviously, because that no one's ever ever tried to do that ever besides that one moment. Try to try to trap me. Come, why don't you come on out, Pat? Uh yeah. You don't like me that much, Christine, to call me. You don't like me that much. To call me on our rotary telephone line. We still had in 93. Pat, it's Christine. Why is Christine calling me? Oh, this is why. <laughs> okay. All right. We have a, we have a Patreon. So we have Q&A. Uh. Q&A time. No, uh. This is a good one. This it is. is. This is from at Seb underscore Rye. Seb Rye. If you could only use one system for the, for the rest of your life, what would it be? PCs count. But you have to name a specific model or error. So my PC rule is this: it's like prices, rights rules. You can't go over. So that means, like, yeah, I can play 1980s games on my current PC. That's not the rules. They have to be current generation PC games. If you pick the PC, that's my rules for this. Like, within, we'll just say within a five-year period. That's fine. I'm, of not, the I'm not picking a PC. Though. Okay, I was say that, that's fair. Uh, right? That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Otherwise, you can play 40 years of, of PC games. Right. It's cheating. Yeah. Um, I can easily narrow it down to two systems. It would either be uh, Game Boy or um, it would either be Game Boy or it would be PC Engine. Um, with PC Engine, I'm going to allow CD Unit. It's, I, I mean, if you if you collect uh, P- if you collect PC Engine, that is the PC Engine. It's definitely a different platform, but I'll allow it. Okay, fine. Then PC Engine Duo R. That's one platform. Okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> and uh, Game Boy. And I would say through Game Boy Color is fair, but honestly, I could limit it to just the black and white Game Boy and not care. I could limit well, it to the black and white. Well, why the PC engine first? Like, like what, what, uh, because what, the shooter stuff? Well, I mean, the reason is honestly very similar for both. Um, they are both systems with a... Uh, a glut of games that I can play for short periods of time and have fun with. I can fire up a shooter and play a shooter for 45 minutes and be like, that was a worthwhile video game session. I can log my scores. I can play a platformer that takes an hour to get through. Um, They are simple games that I can turn on to immediately kind of quell uh, or quench the the thirst to play a game. If I want to play a game, Game Boy, easy. Turn it on. Play Burger Time. Done. Turn on the PC Engine. Play Gate of Thunder. Done. Um, it's a lot different than I think modern consoles where if I feel like when I want to turn on a modern console, I feel like I'm setting aside more time because if I'm going to go through the boot up and all that, I'm going to play a couple of things. Whereas it's easy for me to scratch an itch with those two systems and let it go. 
Um, for PC Engine specifically, yeah, it's all the shooters. It's all the shooters, and there's a lot of Mahjong games. So it has a high concentration of games that I actively like, and it's got some of my favorite shooters on it. Um, game Boy has just tons of different games, lots of pick-up-and-play stuff, um, and has the positive of being portable, which is great. Um, and I do a lot of... I it, Not so much now, but... Um, in the past, most of my video game playing was done on a portable. So it's really tough for me to pick between those two. Uh, you got to pick one, Ian. You got you to you gotta pick one. I, I think I would probably... Yeah. Yeah. I would probably pick PC Engine. Wow. Oh, oh. It's oh, hard. Oh. Because if I don't, then I have no no console for the TV. I have no option for multiplayer and playing games with friends. Yeah, get that link. You can play F1 Race or, or True. Baseball 2000. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's... it's a more, yeah, it's a I more, would be giving up portable games. But when I think about it, I actually have t- a tough time playing games on like an airplane and things like that. I usually read instead of oh, play games. You're thinking about the portability. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about all all things here and things like RPG games, which I would be missing. Uh, I mean, there's some simple RPGs on both those systems, but I have tabletop RPGs if I want like a bigger experience. So I'm not really losing that. Um, and I've already said I can't play a lot of long games. Is so this, yeah, I think PC Engine. This says one system. I wonder if, they, if they're trying to cheat, saying, well, if I get a Game Boy Color, I can play all the Game Boy Black and White as well. To me, that's cheesy, though. That's cheating, doing that. Because then you can say, well, I can get a, a, a GBSP, and I can play three different systems on it. Yeah, that's too cheesy to me. So you got to pick one. I don't, I don't care if you pick the original clunky. Obviously, you probably want to go for a Game Boy Pocket. This is actually more portable, and it looks better than the green. Unless you're partial to the green and black versus the... I'd, I'd, uh, use, I'd just backlight and modify a, a DMG. Oh, you're allowed to do all this? Okay. Um, okay. I thought about this long and hard because, to me, this is a different question. If it's just console, I actually have a go-to one. And it might not be the NES, believe it or not, if it was a go-to one. It's like 50-50. But being that it's everything, I am going with, we'll just say, a Pentium Windows 95 PC. There you go. That's what I would go with. Because when I look back, and in terms of probably the most I was ever dedicated to, to one gaming platform at one time, it was that. When I was like, yeah, I still had a Super Nintendo, but barely paid attention to it from like 93 to like 98, 99. It was all PC. And I, I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to even not allow myself to play Unreal. That's too late. That's like 90. That's too late. We'll say the cutoff is like 96. So it means Duke Nukem. Doom. I would say give yourself five years. You go back to Wolfenstein. You get all the thir- you get all the first run of first person shooters. You get all the X Wing games. You get Tie Fighter. You get Dark Forces. Nice. You get all the uh, Lucas Arts uh, point and click games that were still very successful up until the mid nineties. You get all the Sierra stuff, the later Sierra ones. You get like the later Leader Suit Larry's. You get the later Space Quest games. I think Space Quest four, yeah, four came out early nineties, which is like my favorite one. Well, three kind of is, but that, that misses a cut. If I, if I cut off around ninety. Um, you get Civilization 1 and 2. And 2 was one of my favorite games of all time. So you get, to me, the biggest variety. You get you get Wing Commander. You get Privateer 2, which I love Privateer 2. You, know, you get the biggest, to me, variety of gaming types on like a Windows 95 PC. And when a lot of those first became popular, or hit their zenith, we'll just say, and, and the, the, the strategy games, the, the, uh, the space, space shooter sims, 
were like huge. Um, the only thing, the first person shooters were huge. The only thing you didn't get were probably like, you know, like your action platformers. The, the 2D platformers were still not really a thing then, but you get it everything really, it else. It really wasn't until like the indie era that we actually started to see like, yeah. Normal and, to, I mean, yes, there was your Keens, but those are your exceptions to the rule. The platforming did not really exist on the PC. And you get their charming but short-lived, like, you get the full-motion video adventure games. Sure. With Tia Carrera and, you know, the, the ones with nudity. Phantasmagoria. Uh, yeah, you get stuff like, like, you. so you get, like, so many, and you get genres that stopped right there. Like, those stopped. Yeah. There was never, like, Phantasmagoria on the PS2. Like, that stuff stopped. That was a moment in time, I'd say, the mid-90s PC where you... That, to me, was the zenith of all these... Of, or at least, like, the golden age, to me, of, like, PC gaming. Mm. If, that, if there was a golden age of PC gaming, that was it. Those were games you can only get on the PC, by and large. Genres that peaked there, especially adventure games, peaked there in the mid, mid-90s. By the, uh, by the late 90s, they were dead. Um, that, that's it. That's it. That's... And I'd be happy with that. Even if I never played a newer game ever again, I can go back and play, you know, TIE Fighter campaigns and, and play Civilization 2 until I was dead. You know, I, I could do that and be happy. I can play uh, Doom Wads, you know, mod- modifications. Yeah, that'd be it. And, and you have multiplayer. You get Warcraft 2. You, I played that multiplayer. Like, you have enough multiplayer to last you, even in the mid-90s. You have enough variety. You can play Civilization. Civnet of the first Civilization was, was uh, multiplayer. There's enough multiplayer games. And if you want to go back to technology, the technology on a 56K modem or even 128 was enough to sustain you even before, uh, you know, you could do most of those gaming pretty good. Right. But the, the net code must have been great because I played Duke Nukem um, multiplayer, I remember. Not too often, but I did do it. And hell, hell, even sports games. I, I had NHL 95 on CD. And those, and that was the best version of that game because you had full season mode and you had create a player and you didn't get those on the other on the consoles. <clears throat> so even sports games, even by that point, were catching up. Yeah. On the on the PC and the controllers had cut up. You actually finally had the Gravis Pro Pad with like two triggers. Yes. Four face buttons, start and select. So you 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 had the full console experience. It wasn't just oh you got to use a, a two button Gravis gamepad or use a joystick to play a platformer. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was not people said that said that was done by the early 90s that was gone. Like you we had I can't believe substance. I beat games like Commander Keen with the fucking big Gravis joystick that has you like two it? red buttons. Oh, on you had the two side. red button yeah. ones? Yeah. So you actually had, had two the buttons. Trigger. Yeah. Well, no, it had a top button and then two red buttons but, uh, on the side. How many functions could you have total though? Two or three or four? I think it was I know, I know in Keen I had to hit two buttons at once. There were still two button controllers. Yeah, yeah there were two button it controllers. Wasn't, it wasn't until the Gravis that really... And there was a switch on the Gravis to make it four or two buttons. Yeah. A lot of games still didn't support it. Uh, there. Anyway, you like my choice in Windows 95? Yeah. You, you still have DOS in Windows 95. You, you technically still have a DOS Good. environment to play Privateer 2 before they re-released the deluxe version, which crashed more than the original DOS version. I know because I had both. You were better off playing it in DOS. And yes, you crash randomly. I get it. But you, know, you save, save when you get to a planet and you're fine. You know, just save often, save early. Save early, save often. All right. Well, that, that, I thought long and hard about that one. Thanks for your Patreon question. That was on a, that it was, wasn't it was a Q, Q, it was, it was Q&A. Q&A. Yeah, it was good old, good old Q&A. Q&A. Q&A, Pat. Good old Q&A. All right, that's it for this uh, CU podcast. It is. Uh, this was a fun one. We got a handful of topics out of this. About an hour and 45. Was it an hour and 45? Well, yeah. we started early. I like this starting early, Ian. Yeah. Chop, chop. Get, get your sleep on Monday nights. All right. We'll do, we'll do it live. F it. My butt is tingly. It's asleep. I'm going to go get lunch. How do we used to do three-hour podcasts like six years ago? I was very cranky afterwards. We did 30 topics mm. sometimes. I know. Well, you're also drunk for half of those. 
as well. That's probably why. All right, remember, I'm, I, I got a cameo too. Cameo.com slash Pat Country as well. And we got the NES, SNES guidebooks. If you're still listening to the podcast, I might do a, a 4th of July weekend sale, like with mattresses. So if you're listening to the audio podcast, don't potentially buy it until, we'll just say, Saturday or Friday, whenever that goes up. Follow me on Twitter, and I'll put out those, that notes. And maybe I'll do a sale on the t-shirts as well. We'll move some of the, some of the limited ones there. All right, for Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Country. We will see you later. <laughs>